going to Next Level. Good to see everybody. How's everyone doing? Good? Yeah, right on. Good to see you. All right. I got to be honest with you. First service applauded when I asked that. No, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't. No, you missed your chance. Good to see you guys. My name is Matt Keller. I'm the lead pastor here at Next Level. And wow, wow. Good to see you. Uh, this is our Tainted Love series, part three. And I am so excited about the ground we're covering because in this Tainted Love series, we're talking about our relationships. We're getting down and dirty and focusing on our relationships and, and what relationship right now is not taking a hurt or taking a hit of some kind, be it small or great, because of everything going on in our world and our culture and the economy and all of that. It, relationships are taking a beating right now. And so we are taking these five weeks to just zero in and talk about the fact that, that God created our relationships clear. That much we know. That when you go all the way back to the beginning of time, God created our relationships clear. But because of temptation, because of, of sin, when Adam and Eve gave into it, the relationships that were created clear suddenly became tainted, as we found out. And then last week we talked about five ways that our relationships have become tainted, and, and we heard a lot of feedback of so many of us who, that just hit right between the eyes. Well, today I want us to transition from how we got into this whole deal and how our lenses are tainted, and, and I want to start looking at God's view, God's lens, viewing our relationships through God's lens. And I believe that, that if we can begin to really zero in on this, it has the power to change our lives. So uh, if you have your Bible, you can take that out with me because we're going to be jumping around quite a bit and looking at a number of different verses. But I, I want to start with this one truth, with this one premise, and, and I want to present it to us today because I think that it has the power to change our life. And here it is. Once we know how God views us, it will change everything about us. Once we know how God views us, it has the power to change everything about us. The way we talk, the way we dress, the people we associate with, everything. See, knowing how God views us changes everything. When it comes to our relationships, we've got to grab a hold of, of, a, of a concept here. Beliefs determine actions, and actions determine outcomes. Let me say that again. Beliefs in our relationships determine actions or, or decisions. And the decisions we make in any area of our life, but particularly the relational zone of our life, those beliefs, or those beliefs determine actions. The actions then determine the outcomes we get. So here's the thing. Some of us right now are, are looking over the relational landscape of our life and we're, we're thinking to ourselves, man, I don't like the outcomes that I'm getting. And we're looking at our outcomes and we're thinking to ourselves, you know, how do I change my outcomes? Well, I guess I need to change my decisions, my actions, what I, what I do. And so we go back to that decision level and, and some of us are being tempted to make some pretty drastic decisions. And we're thinking, well, maybe I need to change spouses. Maybe I need to, you know, drop that boyfriend or drop that girlfriend. Maybe I need a new job. I need a new boss. And we're thinking, if I can change the decision zone, the action zone of my life, then that will give me different outcomes. But the reality is, and this is what I want us to talk about today, if we don't do the hard work of going all the way back to the belief zone of our lives, sooner or later we'll end up with the same outcomes we've always had. And see, I believe that we've got to drill down today. We've got to do the hard work of drilling down to the deep places of our core beliefs that each one of us, you and I, hold to, to be true inside of us, whether we realize it or not. Because if we can start to rearrange some of those beliefs deep down inside of us, it will affect the way we behave, our actions, our, our decisions, that will ultimately give us different outcomes. So what are some of those beliefs that we've got to get down inside of us. Well, this morning I want to talk about five of those beliefs, uh, these things that who 
who we are, that define us, whether we realize it or not. And before you think that this is all kind of mumbo-jumbo, psychobabble type of thing, Stuart, you know, Smalley type of stuff, you know, I'm good enough and smart enough and doggone it, people like me. Listen, no, this is not what we're talking about today. We're not just trying to be all like, woohoo, you are better than you think you were a minute ago. No, come on, no, that's not what we're talking about. See, here's the thing. If it were up to us, if it were just about us human beings being all like dependent on ourselves, then we're in trouble because we can't think our way. We can't positive think our way to a better life. It doesn't work that way. The beliefs I'm talking about go beyond us and they go to the Word of God, the Bible. Because inside of this book are truths about how God views us. And I believe that if we can begin to see how God views us, views our life, and then get that down into the the core belief zones of our life, it has the power to change everything about us. So what are those things that God believes about us? Who are we According to the Bible. That's what I want to talk about today. If you you have something to write uh, with, you can take notes in your bulletin. Because I want to give us five answers to that question. Well, who are we according to God? Or or five beliefs that we got to drill down and get down into the core of our belief system. Here's the first one. Number one is this. We are a child of God. The first thing I want us to see in Scripture today is that you and I, we are a child of God. The Apostle John was was writing a letter to a group of, of Christians, of Christ followers like us. And in the book of 1 John chapter 3, he made this statement as he was writing to this group of believers who were trying to figure out where they were at and what their life was all about. Look at what he writes. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us? That we should be called the children of God. And then look at the statement he makes. That's what we are. We are children of a loving, heavenly Father. We are sons and daughters of God, of our heavenly Father. And listen, the reality is there is something powerful and profound, isn't there, about the love of a father. I was blessed to be raised by an amazing father, a father that my brother and I knew loved us. We were a big sports family. Of course, being in Indiana, it was all, you know, I think dad wanted us to grow up and play for, you know, Indiana basketball, Bobby Knight, before he started choking his players. But still, um, and and we were a big sports family, and I can remember one time my brother was playing in a sectional basketball game in high school, the the big tournament at the end of the season, and my dad, he was a salesman, he traveled quite a bit, and I can remember, though, dad would always try and make it back for games or make it back for stuff we were a part of, and this one time he just could not change his schedule, and he had to be out of town, and I can remember my dad calling my Aunt Tony. And he called her on the phone, and he had my Aunt Tony set the phone down next to the AM radio where they were broadcasting the basketball game. And my dad sat in a hotel room in Fargo, North Dakota for two hours and listened to my brother play basketball. That's love. My brother and I knew we were loved by our father. When I was in fifth grade, uh, of course, we were a big sports family, and there was this opportunity to audition for... Um, a child's part in our high school musical at our at our city's high school. And so I tried out for this high school musical to, for this child part, and I, I got the part. And in May of 1987, my fifth grade, my life began to change because suddenly I began to realize that I was created to be on a stage. And I spent the... Ne- <laughs> Just wait for the punchline here because it's about to get good. 
I spent the next eight years of my life on a high school stage. There's your punchline. Go ahead and laugh. Whatever. <laughs> but you know what? My, my dad doesn't have a musical bone in his body. But I watched my dad all through high school cut his business trip short, cut his schedule and tweak it so that he could be back for every performance, every play, every musical. I watched my dad for four straight years of my high school career drive us every weekend for 10 weekends in the spring all over the Midwest for choir competitions. I watched my dad, even though it wasn't his thing, I watched my dad love his son so much that he was willing to do whatever it took to be a part of his life. I was blessed to have a father like that. Some of you understand what I'm talking about. You have a father like that. Others of us, we didn't have a father like that. But can I challenge us that according to the Bible, we do now? That John writes and he says, you got to get this one down into the core beliefs of who you are. you got to understand that the Father loves you so much. He has poured out his love on you. He has lavished his love on you to such an extreme that he no longer calls you foreigners or slaves. He has adopted you as sons. Check it out in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. It says this, In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. See, we were once orphans, we were once foreigners, we were once afar off, away from God, separated from God, but the Bible makes it clear that we have been adopted through Jesus. When my brother was in college, uh, he called, he was in summer school one, one semester, and he called me one night, and he, he was just getting home from a Bible study. And he said, bro, I met a girl at this Bible study, and she is not like any girl that I've, that I've ever met dated before her name's elizabeth and i'm like man that's awesome you know and so over the next few weeks he keeps calling and he's talking about this elizabeth he's talking about this elizabeth and i'm like well where you know bring her up because his college is about four hours from where we where we lived and i said well you know bring her up we want to meet her and she was from ohio so it just didn't it just didn't work out we're like well do you at least have a picture of this girl and so he sends us this three-by-five picture of her, and it, it, like, it, is to, it is the worst picture of my sister-in-law ever. It, it, she's sitting on the, on the hallway floor of this church that they were going to. I'm like, seriously, bro, you don't have to make stuff up. I mean, really, if she doesn't exist, I mean, just tell us, because don't... And so all we had was this one little picture of this Elizabeth. But over the next several months into the fall, my brother is just talking about how much he loves this girl and how he's going to propose to her. So he decides they're gonna, he's bringing her home for the first time on Thanksgiving. And so Wednesday, the day before Thanksgiving, mom and dad are there, Sarah and I are there. We're, we're waiting to meet this Elizabeth. And my brother pulls in and they get out of the car. And as they're walking up to the front door, I can remember, I can remember thinking to myself, I don't know anything about this girl. All I know is my brother loves her. And if she's good enough for my brother, she's good enough for me. She's a part of our family. And I can remember her coming through the door and putting my arms around her and thinking to myself, you are loved by my brother, therefore you are one of us. And see, that's what this verse in Ephesians is talking about. 
God lavished, the Father lavished his love on us to such a degree that he took us from the state of being an orphan and he adopted us through the brother, through Jesus Christ. Jesus had such a love for us that he adopted us so that you and I could be sons and daughters of God. Think of the implications if that's true. Think if we could get that into the core belief of who we are, how that would affect our life. Here's the second thing that God says in his word about us. First of all, that we're a part of the family of God. We are children of God. But secondly, Jesus tells us that we are friends of God. That you and I, average Joe people trying to make it through life, that we are a friend of God. Jesus is talking to his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 15. And he makes this statement in John 15, 15. Look at what it says. He says, I no longer call you servants because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus makes it very, very clear to the disciples. He says, listen, guys, you're no longer strangers, foreigners, distanced from God. And, and maybe you've come in today, and, and I don't know where you're at in terms of a relationship with God. Maybe you've come in, and you're new to this whole God thing, or maybe you're not in relationship with God at all, and that's totally cool. We're, we're pumped that you're here. Maybe you've always thought of God as kind of this far-off, distant being God. And he just kind of leaves us out here and spins us like a top and then runs away. Jesus makes it very, very clear in this verse that that is not at all how God views us. That we are not slaves. We are not servants. We are not just yes boys, Aaron boys for God. Jesus says, no, you're friends. See, slaves don't get let in on the business of the master, but friends do. And Jesus says, listen, you're a part of the business of the master. And what's the business of the master? The Bible calls it the gospel or the good news. The news that we as all of humanity across the world no longer have to live separated from God. No longer have to try and figure this thing called life out on our own. But instead we can be forgiven of our sin and we can be included in the family of God. And Jesus says, you're a part of that. You've been let in on the secret. You're a friend. God. That's what Jesus calls us, a friend of God. And think of the implications relationally. Here's what that means for, for those of us who are married. It means that you and your spouse are, are not just destined to go through your married life thinking, well, you know, we just have to work jobs and pay bills and change dirty diapers and take kids to soccer practice because that's just what we're trying to do is survive. No, listen, married couple, You've been let in on the business of God. You're, you've been let in on the secret to the whole thing, on the gospel, the good news. God has let you in. You're a part of it. And that means that as a married couple, God wants to use your marriage to be a proclaimer, to be a mirror, a light, a beacon, that God is good, that all humanity can be drawn to him. Think of the ramifications of this idea in our work relationships. No longer are the people that we work with just 
just co-workers that we, we punch the clock with. No, these are, these are future members of the family of God if they're unbelievers. If there are believers, then, then these are people that we get to lock arms with and earn a paycheck with so that we can fund the advancement of the gospel. Imagine the ramifications for our relationships all the way down to the waiter or waitress we'll meet today at lunch. See, understanding that we're friends of God, that we've been let into the business of God, the advancement of the gospel. If we could get that down into our core beliefs, it would change everything in the outcomes of our life. Here's a third one. Number three, the Bible makes it very, very clear that not only are we a part of the family of God, we're children of God, and that we're friends of God, but third, we're of infinite worth we're of infinite worth do you remember in week one when we talked about the the whole creation story and in genesis chapter 1 verse 26 god is talking there in creation about creating humanity and he says this then god said let us make human beings in our image in our likeness listen guys we have been created in the image of god and do you realize what that means for us that no longer are we just an evolutionary mistake no longer are we just happenstance no we have been created in the image of God and in fact the Bible makes it clear that God paid a tremendously high price for us for our souls first Corinthians 6 says it this way you are not your own you were bought at a price listen when Jesus died on the cross he was literally purchasing the right to our souls think of that the price God paid for us was death on a cross. Ever died for anyone? That's a huge price to be paid. Veterans Day is coming up in just two days. And some of us know what it is to have lost a family member, a loved one, a friend who died in battle fighting for our freedom in this country. And you will remember that person this week and maybe you'll go and you'll place flowers on a gravesite. Maybe you'll say a prayer and you'll reflect on that life that was paid, that price that was paid for our freedom so that you and I as Americans can know what it is to live and function and raise our families in freedom. And see, if you've lost someone in battle like that for the cause of freedom, then you begin to understand the tremendous price that God paid by allowing Jesus to die on the cross. Why? For who? For us. And let me just speak right to some of us today because you need to hear this. Because somewhere somebody in your world told you that you were no, of no value, that you weren't good enough, that you weren't able enough, that you were nothing, that you were a failure, that you were a has-been, that you were a not quite good enough. And can I just speak to you today directly and tell you that that is a lie from the enemy of your soul and he wants to destroy you, but Jesus came and died on the cross to give and bring you life. And you need to receive that life-giving word into the depths of your being today because you are not defeated you are not a husband you are not broken damaged goods you are a son or daughter of God receive that word today you know what I, I just want to pray right now just across this room if that's you if you've been dealing with that if you've been living under this for some of us for decades believing we're not good enough I want to pray right now 
You know why? Because that is not of God. And, and the enemy is trying to use that to destroy you and to get that down in your beliefs so that you make unhealthy decisions and choices that are giving you crappy outcomes in your life. And we're just going to pray right now. And I believe the Spirit of God is going to touch your life. Can we bow our heads just for a second real quick? We're just, we're just, we're just going to pray right now. Because the Spirit of God is here and He wants to minister life to some of us. If that's you, will you do me a favor? Will you just look up at me and make eye contact with me right now? Will you just, yeah, yeah, you've been believing the lie. You've been believing the lie. You've been believing the lie. No more. No more. No more. Dozens and dozens of us. No more. No more. You know why? Because you're a son and daughter of God. You are of infinite worth to the creator of this universe. And he paid the ultimate price, death on a cross for you. And Father, right now, I just begin to pray over every single person right now who has been dealing with this, who, who has been believing the false lie of the enemy that they are not good enough, that they are not pretty enough, that they are not enough, that they are less than and Jesus, I pray right now that you're by you, the power of your Holy Spirit, you would begin to come alive in their heart. And Lord, we dig out that false reality, that false belief, and we just begin to receive, poured into our spirit right now, seated right where we are, we just begin to receive it. The life that comes from you, the worth and the value that comes from you, God, we receive that in. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. May you walk out of here different today if that was for you. Because I know that was a word for so many of us who have been believing that lie. Number four, five beliefs we got to get down into the depths of us. Number four is this, we are heirs. We are heirs. The Bible makes it very, very clear that we are heirs of God. Check this out, Ephesians chapter four says it this way, Galatians four, I'm sorry. So you are no longer slaves, but children of God. That's what we've been talking about. And since you're his children, look at this, he has made you heirs. In other words, we are inheritors of all of the blessing and greatness of God. We're heirs of God. Check this out. Here's the thing. Heirs act differently, or they should. Because they understand that there is a responsibility that comes with being an heir. And in fact, isn't it true that we're watching some heirs in Hollywood who are acting irresponsibly in their really big, expensive, fat cars. And we look on and we're just like, what are you doing, girl? Don't you understand what you've been given? Don't you understand what you're privy to? Do you know how many people you could help and instead you can't even, whatever, and don't you just want to like strangle their little necks and be like, eat something? <laughs> See, heirs act differently. And this is what we got to understand. Because heirs understand that they've been given a trust and a responsibility. And here's what I think. I think that some of us are heirs of God and we don't even know it. And consequently, we are not acting like it. And I just want to speak to you this morning. If that's you, you you're looking. You know who you are. You know who you are. You. If I was at the women's conference next week, which I'm not going to be, I would say, girl. But I'm not. Listen, some of us are here today, and you know what I'm talking about. You are behaving in ways that do not reflect your airness to the kingdom of God. And it is not okay. It is time for us to dig out this belief and to replace it with the belief that we are an heir of God. That as a child of God, we are inheritors of His 
kingdom. And we got to start acting like it. That means you got to stop sleeping with that guy. That means you got to stop sleeping with that girl. That means you got to stop clicking on those websites. That means that we got to start changing our, our doing. we got to start changing this action zone of our life. Why? Because the belief has got to change. You're an heir. Start acting like one. From time to time, I will say that to my, my eight-year-old, my five-year-old. They'll do something, and I'll go, hey, Kellers don't act like that. And some of us need to look ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, enough is enough. You know why? Because God's children don't act like that. Number five, we are capable. We are capable. Listen, we're, we are children of God. We are friends of God. We are of infinite worth. We are heirs of God. But number five, we've got to understand that we are capable. The Bible makes it so clear that he's given us everything we need to make our life and relationships happen. Listen, some of us have come in today and we are at the end of our rope relationally. And we're looking on and we're going, I don't have what it takes or my spouse doesn't have what it takes and I don't have the power to do this and I don't think it's in us. And so you are, you're being tempted right now to just chuck the whole thing. And I just want to speak to you for a second. Listen, if that's you, if that's where you've come in at today, I just want to tell you something. That's a lie. You are capable. Look at what, what the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Look at what it says. For his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Has given us what? His divine power, the power of the Holy Spirit that's at work in our life, has given us everything we need for a godly life. We got it. Guys, listen. We got it. We've got everything we need for a godly life. How? Through our knowledge of him, Jesus. Watch this. Everything we need to have the kind of relationships that God wants us to have, he's placed inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. But how do we get there? We get there through growing in our knowledge of him. This is why around Next Level we talk about soap so much. What is soap? It's on the bottom of your bulletin there. You can see a little paragraph on it. Soap is a concept that we introduced at the end of June this year. Because, see, we believe at Next Level Church it is important for every single one of us to be self-feeders. That it is, We believe it is not God's desire for us to just come in here on Sundays and eat once a week and go out and try and survive on that. That will never be enough. That will, if we're going to grow in our knowledge so that we can become everything God wants us to become then it requires us learning how to read the Bible daily and apply it to our life. Around here we call that SOAP, S-O-A-P. And that's how we study the Bible. You've got to go online and, and click the link there on SOAP and read about this. This is our reading guide. And we basically set it up that in six months' time, if you read two chapters of the New Testament a day, five days a week, we even gave you some margin there, that by the new year, you could read from, June, from July 1 all the way to the new year, you would have read the entire New Testament. And many of us have taken the SOAP challenge. And we're reading through the New Testament. This is my reading guide, and it's got my little X's all across where I'm at, reading. Listen, how do we get the relationships we want? By growing in our knowledge of Him. Yeah, but Matt, that's hard. That takes time. I mean, who has time to read the Bible every day? 
Listen, nothing of value is ever easy, is it? I could eat fast food for every meal. And for a while, I could give off the illusion that I'm healthy. But eventually, it's going to catch up to me, isn't it? Eventually, eating fast food for every meal would cause my body to be extremely unhealthy. And some of us are eating nothing but fast food when it comes to our spiritual lives. And we wonder why our relationships are unhealthy. Dancing with the stars will not make your marriage better. And I'm a big Dancing with the Stars fan. I dance in my living room too. Come on, admit it. Either you dance or you want to dance. Everybody dance. <laughs> Whoa, we're going down the line. Don't do it. Mm, 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 mm. You can, come on, you're feeling it. You're feeling it. You're feeling it. You're feeling it. Right here. Right here. <laughs> what are we talking about? Listen, I'm serious. Some of us need to turn off the TV. We need to turn off the computer. And we need to sit down with some real food. Because how do we get the relationships we want? It's right here. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. I'm telling you, if you will prioritize your soap, if you will get down and dirty and learn to, to, to read your Bible and write out that scripture in your journal. This is my journal. You know what this is? This is my soul DVR. When God speaks to me, I write it in here. Why? Because it's something I need to save and make sure I can play back anytime I need to in my soul. That's what a journalist, we write out scripture, and you write out one scripture that God may jump off the page at you that day. And then the O is observation. You write, it's very simply, this is what I observed. A is application. This is very simple, isn't it? I love this. Guilt-free. It's guilt-free. That's better than fast food. A is application. And you just write out, this is how it applies to my life. And then P is prayer. And you write out a simple prayer, turning your observation and application into a dedication and saying, God, this is how my life is going to be different today because of what I read in your word. I'm telling you, your relationships will improve because we'll get rid of the fast food and we'll actually start consuming something that is healthy. If you don't have a reading guide, you can download one online at nextlevelchurch.com. I think we maybe have some at our resource table today. You can download part five of the GPS series, which is the soap message where I explain it in, in detail. Guys, listen, you will never get the outcomes you want until you start changing the actions and decisions in your life. And the way you change the actions and decisions is you go back to the core belief. And the way you change your core belief is through your knowledge of him. It all begins and ends in our relationships with this book. Here's the reality. Some of us have put our relationships on autopilot. And you've just been cruising through the drive-thru relationally. And you're looking at your relationships and you can't understand why there's such unhealth in your relationships. Can I just tell you the reason why there's such unhealth is because his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. That when we get in the book, individually, personally, internally, when we start getting Jesus' words into our heart, it affects our relationships. It changes everything about us. So this morning I want us to take a couple of minutes and I want us to marinate on what we've heard today. 
What's your level of commitment? Are, are you there? See, some of us need to come across this line in our heart and say, God, I'm going to start prioritizing your word again. I'm going to start putting you first again. Travis and the team are going to sing that song, Love is Here. And as they sing that song today, can we just reflect and marinate on the love of God and what it can mean for us and our beliefs that will affect our decisions, that will change our outcomes. Would you stand up with us? Come to the water, you reflecting on all this and you realize that you've got some beliefs inside of you that are not what they need to be and are not what God wants you to believe and you've been believing these false realities these false lies I want to pray for you I want to pray that God at this moment right now would just reach down and touch you maybe you're struggling believing you're a child of God maybe you've struggled that you could actually be a friend of God let in on the master's business maybe you've wrestled with that self-worth thing that self-esteem thing maybe Maybe you've not been behaving like an heir because you've not really understood your responsibility and trust as an heir. Whatever it is today, I want to just pray a prayer that God would touch us. And maybe just across this room today, you just simply just lift your hands right now. God wants to touch you. If you need a touch from God today, this is your moment. This is your time. The Holy Spirit is here and He wants to touch you. His love. He wants to come and envelop you in His love today. So, Father, across this room today, Lord, we just pause in the stillness of this moment. And we just receive Your love, Lord. We receive a touch from You, God, where we have believed the lie of the enemy. We receive You, Lord. We walk in You today. Jesus, we receive that we are good enough for You, Lord, that we have been accepted, adopted in as sons and daughters of God. Lord, we just walk in that today. We receive Your love in that area. God, for those of us who have trouble believing that we could actually be a friend of God, let in on the Master's business, Lord. We just receive a touch from You today, God, just across this room. God is touching us. God is touching us today. Maybe you're here today and you don't know that you're in the family of God. That you, you're still far from God. The Bible says it's easy to know. It's a free gift that when Jesus paid that price on the cross at Calvary, when his blood was shed, it was shed for you. For the remission of sins, the Bible says. That means that everything we've ever done wrong in our life, that sin that separates us from God, that taints the lenses of our life, can be made clean again. All we have to do is say yes and open our heart and the Bible makes it clear that Jesus will come in and dwell in us and we can become sons and daughters of God. We, you can be a part of the family of God today too. Still praying across this room. If that's you, you, you're not in relationship with God but you want to be. You want to just say, Matt, include me in on that prayer. I'm going to count to three. When I hit three, will you just slip your hand up across this room as an indicator uh, on, the, on the outside of what God's doing on the inside. One, two, Three. Awesome. Thank you. Great. Across this room. Several hands. Several hands going up. Awesome. Once you put it up, you can put it back down. Are there others? You'll just say, Matt, include me in. I got to be in the family. I don't know what it is to be in relationship with Jesus, but I need that. Thank you. Awesome. Others? Father, for each one who's lifted their hand today, Lord, you see who they are. You know who they are. Father, we just lift our hand as an outward expression of this inward faith and this work that you're doing in us. 
So Jesus, right now, we just pray that you would cleanse us of that sin, Lord. You would forgive us of, of sin where we've went our own way, where we've tried to navigate through life on our own. We pray you'd forgive us, Jesus. And Father, we accept you in, Lord. We accept the work you did, Jesus, on the cross. And we accept you into our heart, believing that we become a new creation today. We are no longer orphans. We are no longer foreigners and strangers, but we are sons and daughters of God, Lord. We, we, so many of us who raise our hands, God, we just pray that prayer and we receive you now. In Jesus' name. Love is here.